0: As many of you know, I grew up in Raceland, um, and uh, one of the things that I cherish about my childhood is uh, uh, on both of my sides of my family, uh, my grandparents were around for most of my life, uh, and in that, I was able to, like in Christmas break and holidays and things like that, um, what what myself and my cousins would often do, a lot of my family stayed around, um, what we would often do is we would just go over to my grandparents' house and take over right? Um, we didn't worry about babysitters most of the time. It was just Mama and papa, pops, like all, all, of, my, all of my grandparents. That, that's where we went, right? Um, what we would do actually is me and my cousins, we, when we started like as we were growing up and we started learning how to use the phone and stuff like that, we would call each other and kind of coordinate Well, hey, everybody's going to go to my mom's house on Tuesday, and we're going to just basically take over. And she's going to have 17 grandkids that are going to show up, and it's going to be a blast because we get to play and have fun and all this stuff. And it was just like, that was the normal thing, right? So my first cousins, most of my first cousins were like my brothers and sisters. Um... Well, as, as brothers and sisters do, uh, we would uh, we would for sure play. We would have our fun. And then very, very quickly, that would turn into arguing. Very, very quickly, that would turn into fighting. And uh, we got really, really good at going back and forth with each other, right? Um, most of the time when we were playing something, we might play like baseball outside or football or like hide-and-seek or something like that. Um, it would sound something like this, right? We would be playing hide-and-go-seek, and then all of a sudden a person that was it we, we were basically just making their life a live in heck, like as much as we possibly could. I said heck, that was not me. Um but anyway, like it, like we were making we were just making them feel terrible about being it and keeping them it for as long as we possibly could, to the point that they were crying, right? Um this would go on and then sooner or later they would get frustrated and they'd be like, I touched you and the response would be, uh, nuh uh and then you'd be yeah, I did. Nuh-uh, prove it. You know, like we had this back and forth. Well, these like little bickering sessions would turn into name calling very quickly. It's like, I touched you. Nah, uh were you ugly? Nuh-uh, like, right? Like it would go back and forth. And when you get the last word in in these things, that, that's like it's like a badge of honor. Like I get a point. You lose, right? One of my cousins, um, I will never forget this. We were playing, and we were going back and forth like this, and me, because I watched enough TV, right, I thought I was creative, and I stole one of the, one of the insults I heard. She was like, you dumb. I looked at her and said, be quiet, brace face. I was like, oh, yeah, because she had braces. She was rocking a grill way before it was a thing, right? Like, I was like, this is awesome. All right. And then she looked at me straight face, and she says, at least I got something to fix my teeth. I was like, Woohoo Oh, white flag. <laughs> I was like, you win? I'll turn beet red. I think I would cry in the corner, right? Like, it was bad, dude. It was bad. But we, have this, we had these arguments. We had this discuss. Like, we had this way of doing it. Now, on the table, there was always, always, always a nuclear option. The nuclear option was always on a table waiting for us. Like, think like the president, the football, right? Like the briefcase, open it up, two keys, got to put in a code. Like, that's the kind of nuclear option it was. And it came down to two words. Your mama. Because you very, very quickly, like, you, you escalate this insult, this fight, to a whole nother level. Whenever you go from insulting the person in front of you to bringing in their mama, right? Your mama so this, your mama so that, your mama so dumb, your mama so ugly, your mama so fat, your mama so loud. Like, whatever word you want to use, right, fill in the blank with your favorite joke at the end. But, like, once you say that, you have crossed the threshold, and you better get ready for a fight. Like, and I'm not talking words. At this point, like, it's coming to blows, Right? Funny part is, they would say that kind of stuff. Your mama's so loud. I'm like, she probably is. <laughs> We're going to just leave it at that. Um, but I remember this. Like, it, it, and it was, it was funny because the second that would happen, it was like, look, I could have a problem with my mama, but you can't. Like, we get defensive at that point. We all of a sudden, at a young age, realized that, hey, when you talk about my mom, you're talking about someone that, that's close to me. You're talking about someone that means something more to me than other people, than even myself in a lot of ways. That's because at a young age, as kids, we are in touch with the indispensable role, like the, the, the intimate impact that a mom has. We're, we're in touch with something that's deep in that relationship. I think as we, as we grow older, sometimes those relationships get strained. Sometimes they just change. Sometimes there's just like things that come up that can kind of morph and, and deform that relationship. But at least when we're young, we get it. That there's something indispensable in the relationship of a mom with their child. Today when we come to Mass, we are celebrating a feast about Mary as mother. It's Catholic Mother's Day, right? We are celebrating a feast as Mary, as the mother of God, as Jesus' mom. Because there's and, and, and just as there's an indispensable role of a mom in our life when we're young, there's an indispensable role of a mom in our life as a Christian. I think there are a couple of things in particular. There are a couple of aspects of Mary's life, of Mary, of who she was, especially in the life of Jesus, that really speaks to us today and I think can actually help us out as we either go forward on this pilgrimage or we go on forward into the new year. The first one is Mary's an example. And now I know like we, we can say, like okay, yeah, she received right the Holy Spirit. Like, she, was, she was this perfect example of what it looked like to pray, like all these things. But in particular, her example formed Jesus. Like, let's think about this. Today the Gospel we heard is at the beginning of, of Luke. If we really laid out how much we know about Jesus from the time He's born to the time that He, he starts His public ministry with being baptized and going to a wedding with His mama, right? Couldn't get a date, I guess. Like, whatever. Like, uh, like in this time, like in his first 30 years, the things we know about Jesus is, is that he was born in a barn. Okay? We, we know that his mom went visit her cousin, right, in the visitation. We know that an angel was the one that kind of announced his coming. We know that uh, he was presented in the temple. We know that some, sh- some stinking shepherds came to see him. Some kings dropped off some presents. And that he was lost at about 12 years old. We really don't know much else about him. That's about all we know of the first 30 years of Jesus' life. But what we do know is that the person that he was was formed in the house of Nazareth. We, we know that the man he was was formed by St. Joseph and working as a carpenter with his dad. We, we know that the way he treated women was formed probably by watching his dad and his mom live together. But his prayer life, I'm convinced, was formed by Mary. Notice, how many times do we see that he, he, Jesus will do a miracle? He walks on water, right? He, uh, he multiplies the loaves and the fish. He even calls the disciples, right? Like he establishes this new church and these new, this role as a disciple, like the first 12. Before he does all these major acts, these major things in his public ministry, what do we hear that he does? He pulls himself away from everybody, he goes off to a deserted place, and he prays. We hear that he spends all night in prayer. Now we can think, oh, that's probably because he's the son of God, and like, of course, he knows, like, he needs to go, like, charge up the the God batteries in his life to go, like, pray, right? No, no, no. he learned that from his mom, how to go to pray and just to receive. Just to be in a relationship with God, with a loving and good Father. Mary's an example for Jesus. Ma- Mary's an advocate. She, when, when I hear the word advocate, it's someone that advocates on behalf of somebody else, someone that, that encourages, someone that's like a cheerleader, someone that lifts up and that carries you through, someone that makes sure that things are going well, right? They encourage you whenever we're struggling in particular. Now, I, I, sometimes that can be, uh, I know in my own life, like I, I remember playing Little League. This, this is like sticks out to me like it's yesterday. I, I can remember where I was standing. I was playing first base in the Raceland ballpark on the biggest field there. I'm standing there. Our dugout was on the third base side across the way. I'm standing there. I'm playing in the field. It was one of those dead moments in the game where it's just kind of boring and everybody's like, i got to sit here and watch Little League baseball, right? Like parents were just like, dying, and I'm in the field, and I'm sweating and aggravated, and the pitcher can't throw a strike, and we're all aggravated, and we're all mad, and all this stuff. My dad's off on the side, got his mustache, his shorts, are too short, his jersey, like the whole nine, right? Like, I still remember this like it was yesterday, and we're standing there, and I'm, I'm, I'm just like aggravated, and the, the one thing I hear over, over the silence of the field is, come on, y'all! It's my mom. And she's like standing up in the stands, just like, get ready out there! I'm like, I, I, I can't right now. Like, like, come on, dude! Please, like, just—you're embarrassing me. Sit out. So, at one point, she did this for like five minutes, and I just—I'm I'm in the field, and I just go, "Be quiet." That was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> when I got back to the dugout, she was waiting for me with the bat, no, I'm Um But I still remember, like, it, it was embarrassing, but it's something that she couldn't help do. Like it was embarrassing for me as a kid, but like I'm sitting there and I'm like, she can't help. Her, like her love was too much. Like to shut up. Like her, like she just wanted to. She wanted to encourage. Whether I wanted to or not, whether I wanted to receive it or not, she was ready to encourage. She was ready to like cheer me on, cheer on my team, like get us, get get us, kind of some kind of help, especially when we felt stale and flat. Mary's an advocate. And we know this because Mary's not afraid <laughs> at any point. We we hear that Jesus and Mary are around each other at different points, right? But but Jesus would have seen his mom and like would have had these little private conversations about like, oh, I'm going to this place and these people rejected me. Who would have been there to, to lift them up? Keep doing what the Lord's asking you, honey. Keep doing what God wants. So much so that even when it gets to his, his, his worst time, his, most, his biggest burden, the, strugg- the biggest struggle of his life on the way of the cross. We hear that Mary's at the beginning and at the end. She didn't just have a station where she just kind of stood there on the street corner, watched him come up to her. In the fourth station, it was marked, you know, like on the side, like, hey, why don't you stand here? He's going to pass. You can like have this little moment. No, she was with him all the way through. She was with him all the way through the carrying of the cross, the falling, the ridicule, the spitting, the hitting, the everything. The crucifying to the end. Just keep doing what the Lord is calling you to do advocating on his behalf, lifting him up. The final thing, I think, for us to reflect on tonight is is that Mary's a refuge. She's an example, an advocate. She's also a refuge. Again, I, when I again when growing up, right? I, I, I remember um, I, I watched the wrong movie when I was a little kid, and like it was like some kind of thing where a kid gets kidnapped, and like it scarred me for years. Like I was three years old probably when I saw this, and I freaked out, and I could not like sleep in my own bed. Like, from then on, I was, like, I was so afraid to sleep in my own bed. In fact, when I would try to sleep in my own bed, like, as a kid, um, what would happen is is I would start to, like, just have this anxiety of, like, oh, the door's not locked, or the chain's not on the door, or the three deadbolts aren't locked. Like, I was freaked out because I was thinking, someone's going to break in and come take me. I was trying not to say this this morning at 1030 Mass because there were way too many little kids, and I'm like, I'm going to scar every child in here. But... (laughs) My mom, in all of her love and wisdom, was like, don't worry, if they take you, they're going to bring you back. I'm like, oh, thanks, Mom, I love you too. Um, but I had this like, thing in my mind that, I, that, she, that somebody was going to break into the house. We lived right on the highway. That someone was going to break into the house was going to take me, and I would never see my family again. And like, I had this dream, that it was going to be like this 6'5", big built guy with like, guns and stuff come in. But the second that my mom would come lay down with me, it went away. All the anxiety, immediately gone. Like this woman who's smaller than me. <laughs> and, and immediately, no worry, no concern, no anxiety, gone. If, if, if on earth we can feel that in the embrace of our mom, how much more so with our Heavenly Mother? An example, an advocate, and a refuge. Today as we come to this Mass, as we embark on a new year, as some of us embark on a, on a, on a pilgrimage, I think in a particular way we can begin this year, as we, we can begin every year, by first going to Our Lady, and just asking her to meet us where we are, right here, right now. We need an example, good. We need a cheerleader, Good. We need a refuge. Good. Let's submit ourselves to her care. Because that's what Jesus was asking us to do. Like with one of his dying breaths, with one of his final breaths, one of his final words, Jesus, on the cross, looked at Mary and John at the foot of the cross, looked at Mary and said, Mother, Behold your son. And as John, as John, the, as John the Apostle says in, the, in his Gospel, that he looked at the disciple whom he loved and said, Behold your mother. I think John doesn't put his, put his name in there for a reason. <laughs> he leaves it empty. John Paul II actually said something about this. In, in John Paul II, if you've ever seen his uh, coat of arms, it's a blue cross. And then in one quadrant of the blue cross, there's an M. The other corner is empty. And he was asked about it, and he said, what, what's that supposed to represent? And he said, well, Mary is always found at the foot of the cross. And he said, well, why is there, why is there no, nothing to symbolize John? And he said, because you're supposed to be there with her. Mary was given to each one of us as a gift. And just like any other gift that we got for Christmas, it's meant to, it, it, she's not meant to just be just to stay on the side, stay wrapped up, maybe under the tree, and not used. Not, not, not embraced. Not, not, not put to work. I, I, I challenge myself with this because there is so often whenever I'm getting ready in the morning, I grab my phone, I grab my keys, grab my rosary, nice little leather case, put it in my pocket, and I come back home at the end of the day, and I put my keys up, and I put my phone up, and sure enough, put the rosary in, it wasn't opened. Didn't unwrap the gift. How, how often do you, run by, you pass by a rosary that either you have next to your bed, hanging from a, hanging from a, a bed post, hanging maybe from your rearview mirror in your car, and it's turned into a decoration, more than Mary's hand to hold. A direct, a direct link to our mom. May today, as we begin this new year, as we begin this journey, many of us, that we, that we start right where we are. We start with what we need. Ready to ask and beg Mary, and beg God, through her, to speak to us and to meet us. We need an example, she's ready. We need an advocate, she's ready. We need a place of refuge and just to be held. Again, she's ready. And today, as we come to this Mass, not only we expect to see and meet our Father, but that we know that we're in the embrace, the protection of our Blessed Mother as well. She has claimed us as her child. Let us, as a family of faith, claim her as our mother as well.